Hello and welcome to the second episode of Blah Blah Rugby. We are back by popular demand. You, the fans, have talked and we have listened. Um, I'm usually, as usual, I'm joined by Darren Jordan. Darren, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, great to have you. What do you think of the the numbers that we had on this podcast last week? Over well, seventeen uh, listeners last week. Incredible stuff. Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant start to our career, and I can only see us breaking into this saturated podcast market further now. I, I'm mm. just looking at our competition and I just see holes all over the place. Look at the 42. They're, one of their kind of anchors, Ryan Bailey, has left. Gavin Casey usually but he's, he's usually covering tiddlywinks or whatever. So who's, <laughs> who, who's, who's going to be there to uh, give Murray, blow steam up Murray Kinsler's arse? I don't know. The left, <laughs> we look at the left wing. They have to they have to play a fucking introduction of Luke Fitzgerald's best moments, presumably just to remind Luke Fitzgerald who he is because of the amount of concussions that he suffered whilst playing. Then we look then we look at the egg chasers. Uh, Tim Cockett is still crying about Jerome Garces in the final. The rugby pod, Jim Hamilton's crying about Sarri's salary cap. House of Rugby, Flannery's on there every week. Flannery's on everywhere at the moment. I reckon we can tie him up. I reckon we can get him on exclusively for about a, a bag of crisps and a can of Coke will do the job there, I think. He's been desperate for desperate for money since he got sacked off by Munster. Uh, UK version of House of Rugby, while well, James Haskell's off in the jungle doing MMA, whatever. And then off the ball, I'm, I'm sure Brian O'Driscoll's got a sign up to our invitation of joining us anytime soon now so look i think there's I think there's a big gap in the market for us to break in now yeah that's a, that's a really excellent rant Darren. i enjoyed that the one thing Thanks. i'd say is that what we don't have that they all have is an ex-professional rugby player and on that point who's the most famous shane in rugby that you know uh shane mcgowan shane mcgowan not quite <laughs> well i was thinking shane williams shane horgan but we've actually gone one better We've got Shane Warren. Shane, how are you? Very good, very good. Glad to be invited onto the pods, lad. It's pod absolute... lads, even Jesus. A great start, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> an absolute <laughs> disaster. It's an honour to have you on. I have to say, an honour. Um, it's uh, I'm sure it'll bring a whole new market. Maybe open up the American market for this pod. Um, well, this has been quite an introduction, actually. It's we're three and a half minutes in already, and we've just had Darren ranting and us talking about our pod numbers. So. We kick into the actual rugby and talk about, as we did last time, go pool by pool, talk about the results, then go to the fixtures. So the first um, the first pool we'll go to is pool two, leaving obviously pool one the best pool for last. Um, that was Glasgow beat Sale by 13 points to seven. Now, Diane, you and I both predicted a narrow Sale win here. Why were yep. we wrong? Why were we wrong? Because Sale, as kind of mentioned last week, are just so... You, you can't you can't put faith in them. They they kind of flatter deceive so much of the time. Uh, it was probably the worst match of the weekend. Look, I've I've only seen highlights of this one, admittedly, but the highlights were boring. So if the highlights are boring, that's never a good sign. Um, yeah, look, Glasgow just had a bit more, kicked a few more penalties. Uh, yeah, really disappointed by Sale there, but they did get the losing bonus point, which does kind of keep their interest up for the rest of the competition. And did you um, watch it, Shane? No, I didn't didn't get to see it either now, but you know, the only sale I was concerned with last weekend was down in Dundrum, to be honest. 
<laughs> well, like Darren, I watched the highlights and uh, yeah, I kind of had similar thoughts. It wasn't the most exciting match. Um, DTH van der Merwe scored an absolute cracker, though. Um, helped by a lot by Christian Wade marking absolutely nobody in the build up to the try. We actually talked Christian about Wade. Wade and <laughs> oh, sorry, not Wade. <laughs> um, more or less. How'd you make that mistake, Luke? <laughs> I literally wrote my notes down. I wrote Wade in my notes as well. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, <clears throat> I'll go back and talk about Glasgow. I think it's a kind of a something that we've seen in previous years and kind of again across the field this year is that when the kind of English Premiership teams come to play in Europe, they're used to playing kind of a slower game. And when teams start to kind of up the pace and play a bit more creative rugby, they actually struggle a bit. And it seems to be kind of a a perennial overrating of English teams in this competition. Agreed. Yeah. So, well, moving on to a team who wasn't overrated, La Rochelle versus Exeter. So, uh, Darren, you predicted La Rochelle to win. I predicted Exeter to win here. That's 1-0 to me, I guess. Um, yeah. Exeter, to me, this is the best performance of the entire weekend, actually. I thought Exeter were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I, I actually couldn't even find highlights of, of this game. So, not, not really... I'd love to do a great start here in our uh, analysis, but it, it's it's on YouTube. It's pretty easy to find. Good to see you put all the work in. <laughs> I actually I actually watched a bit of this one. And, oh, uh, here we go. La Rochelle. Yeah, I know. I got bored of the Leinster match, uh, believe it or not. But uh, sorry, cut La this Rochelle. guy out of the podcast right now. <laughs> uh, La Rochelle's first try was an absolute cracker of a crossfield kick from West at fly off. But other than that, Exeter just kind of controlled the game completely uh, for the brief 10 minutes that I watched, to be fair. But that seems to have reflected the rest of the match. Yeah, um, I thought... Well, from watching, yeah, from watching the highlights, it seemed like um, La Rochelle were actually in with a shape. But then they threw a ridiculous intercept on the 55th minute to uh, Henry Slade. And the score at the time was 5-14. La Rochelle kind of bushing. It could have been different. But fair play to, to Exeter for going down there and getting the win. Um I thought they'd win narrowly. Darren thought La Rochelle would win. So to win with a bonus point by that many points, it's pretty incredible. Their scrum as well was was really, really good. Um, I know we talked about Exeter as being potential contenders and Darren was kind of downplaying it, that, um, downplaying it last week. Do you think this result changes your opinion, Shane? Could Exeter win it, the competition? I think Exeter have the pack to go far in the competition. And then, yeah, add Stuart Hogg into their back line. I'd say if, if I was having a, a dark punt, it would be Exeter or potentially dark, dark punt of Saracens. I, I think um, it's a it's a pitch black punt, Shane. I, that's, I, that's what it's called. I kind of agree with that. I actually kind of agree with Shane on both of those, actually. They would be my kind of two as well. Um, At 5-1, Saracens isn't exactly a dark horse shot there, I'm afraid. I, 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 I get what you're saying it is, but they're still one of the favourites for the competition. Yeah, that, at those at that odds, I don't like them. If they were ten to one or further out, then I'd be I'd be looking to piss with. Yeah, true. We'll come on to Saracens later on in the pools, but the but the two matches then this weekend in that pool on Saturday uh, at three fifteen, Exeter are playing Glasgow. Stuart Hogg having his old Glasgow buddies down to Sandy Park. What way do you see this one going down? Yeah, I expect Exeter to dominate this game kind of up front, and that'll give them the platform. Uh, to build upon from there, like it, it is boring enough assessment of of this game, but like Exeter do have just far better pack uh, 
yeah, I'd, I'd be going extra by 14 here. Yeah, and seeing as you're such a big Sale fan, Shane, I'll let you cover off that one Sunday at 1 o'clock, Sale versus La Rochelle. How do you see that one going? Uh, purely purely because I love the Sales. I actually think Sale have a chance here. Um, La Rochelle are French. They've already lost the first match without a bonus point. I could see them kind of half-packing it in already. Sales still have Faf to come back, and if they can get a result here, I could see them potentially squeaking out of the group just because they're so hot and cold, if they can turn it on, they could yeah. be all right. Yeah, I agree with Shane there. Like, I think Sale, as I mentioned, again, that lo- losing bonus point last week will, be, will keep their interest in, while to- La Rochelle will turn their focus towards the top 14 now, playing cast at home next week. They'll, they'll be looking to get a win there. But, yeah, I, I, I can see this being a low-scoring enough game, but Sale still winning easy, something like, Scoreline of twenty four ten would would be what I'm saying here. Yeah, I, I, well, I I'd agree that Exeter I think will win fairly comfortably in the first match, and I think Sale will win fairly comfortably as well. I think La Rochelle will throw in the towel a bit. I can see these being two bonus point wins for the home English teams here. Um, speaking of home English teams, Bath versus Ulster in Pool Three. Darren, you predicted Ulster by two. I predicted Bath by five. So you come out on top on that one. What did you make of this game? Did you watch it? Yeah, I, I watched the first half before going on into the Leinster game. Uh, I I left, well, I say watched the first half. I watched 39 minutes and then I went went off. Uh, and it, I, I missed John Cooney missing in front of the kick, uh, in front of the post, which could have been a really, really costly miss in the end. But it, it didn't prove to be the case. But yeah, Ulster managed to win this game without playing overly well. And we were saying last week how Ulster usually play play all right but they they end they end up on the wrong side of the scoreline a lot of the time so definitely a definitely a plus to see them uh ending on the right side this time and it could be a good omen for them going on like that's a that's a huge win they needed to win either away to bath or away to Queens. i think to to get through this group they need to now win back that up uh, at home to claremont but yeah a really strong start strong result for Ulster, if not maybe a stronger performance as i expected yeah, I thought, I thought actually from what I watched, both teams looked pretty poor in attack, actually. I think the attack was very, very flat. When you go from kind of watching the World Cup and the stand of that to watching the attacks and display on that game, it was just there was just no depth to the attack. There was no invention. People were taking the ball and at a very slow pace and just pulling it right back and not many direct does, runners. Direct does tend to have that effect. Yeah, it's on, a slow pitch. On matches like like even if we look back in the Leinster Leinster game last year, it was a slow match and made both both attacks look a bit turgid. But mm. yeah, like I I do I wouldn't be writing off both teams attack because of that. But uh, I do agree with your point. It wasn't the best watch. And did you catch Stockdale's try saving intervention at the end? I thought he was actually really poor, to be honest, quite anonymous. He has been for a while, uh, which is kind of a bit worrying from an Irish perspective. But right at the very end, his work rate to get back and intercept that ball um, was pretty special, albeit helped by John Cooney, no arms, shoulder charging, uh, Mercer on his way to the line. I, I, I caught Rocket de Gooney, uh smashing Jacob Stockdale back about 50 metres, which was... Uh, pretty entertaining I thought that was a, a a good moment but yeah obviously a clinical enough uh, uh, interception at the end doing what he does best intercepting the ball um, yeah obviously proved crucial in the end scoreline 
Yeah, absolutely. And Shane, you love your high-scoring French games. I'm sure you watched uh, Clermont dominate Harlequins 53 points to 21. Darren predicted a nine-point win for Clermont in that one. I predicted a bonus point win for Clermont with uh, Harlequins' uh, bonus point as well, which I was obviously wrong on. What did you make of this Not game? Not too far off. No. Yeah, but you were both right with the Claremont win. And, you know, Claremont at home, always good. Always tough to go there and get a result. I know Leinster remember having difficult times down there, although coming out with the right result a few times. Uh, and then not too distant pass. Uh, I think that's really Claremont saying, you know, we missed the Champions Cup last year, but they're coming for it this year. It's obviously the trophy that's eluded them. Uh, haven't won the top 14 recently. So I think... Mm. You know, that result just set their stall out as, you know, they're going to make a real go at it this year. Yeah, and there'll be some kind of, some team to come up against, actually, especially to come up against them in France. Very tough to beat. Players like Raka and uh, Yado for me are just absolutely incredible. The way they play with such pace and power. Did you see Yado's try, Darren? Which one? The one from the, he ran it in from the halfway line. He scored twice, though, and he, he had one disallowed as well. He did, yeah. He also yeah, had he, he, a shocking chip ahead, but yeah, he was brilliant. He, he, he's continued his form from the World Cup where he was looking so impressive uh, before that Reese Hodge challenge really kind of stopped his momentum in the tournament and put him out for a couple of games, which is a real disappointment, but it's great to see him back playing some lovely rugby again. Yeah, I thought Lopez actually was very good as well. I watched a good bit of this game. I thought Lopez was excellent. Um his like range of like kicking and passing. He was doing little chips. He was doing cross fields. He was passing like the Harlequins defense didn't know what to do with him. It was uh, he really ran the show. And I, I don't know if you caught. For me, it was try of the round. Um, Harlequins try right at the very end, scored by uh, Lang ultimately. But Ibatoya was like unbelievable feat to set him free. Yeah, I yeah definitely agree with you. Yeah, try of the round, they kind of found found a gap out of nowhere. It just looked like he was completely lost, going absolutely nowhere, back and forth, and then suddenly he finds the gap and a few lovely steps and a nice offload to boot at the end. Yeah, fantastic try. Yeah, he's he's such a talent as well. I think he's, is he 20 or something like that? He's very young anyway. Um, So the the fixtures in this one then, um, 7.45 on Friday, classic Friday, Friday night match in Ravenhill, Ulster versus Claremont. Ulster are going to be without Jack McGrath, Little and Carter Oral day through injury um, after that Bath game. Shane, do you think Ulster have a chance of turning Claremont over here? I, I don't think I'm making Ulster the favourites for this. Uh, I'd definitely be picking Claremont for the win. I think Ulster could get a bonus point, especially if it's a wintry night. You know, that could stop Claremont with their more kind of free-flowing rugby, and that could help Ulster keep it close, but I don't see them winning it this weekend. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, actually. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, Ulster won the last, well, the only two times these guys have played in Europe, and that was when Claremont were kind of in their heyday as well. So they do have a strong record at home. At home to uh, to them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, I'm going to be bold here, and I'm actually going to predict a draw. A bit of a draw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a brave call. Massive. What odds, what odds are a draw? 20s? About, they'd be about 20 to one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Are you just fair. predicting a draw so people waste their money, Darren? Uh, no. no it, uh, it, I'm not it, saying it, you have a conflict of interest, it, but you definitely it, it have a conflict be, of interest. It, it would be a good result for us usually to draw, so I, I'd be cheering it on regardless. But uh, look, there's usually one or two uh, 
well, there's usually one every side two rounds or so. So, uh, yeah, I I do kind of expecting one soon enough, and uh, th- this is a game that stands out as a potential. I actually can't wait for this game. I love the love the Friday night games in Ravenhill. Yeah, I think for Ulster to win this, they have to, as Shane said, hope for kind of a one of those wet windy nights and literally just try and shut down Claremont at source. If Claremont are getting quick ball in this game and have guys like Yato and Raka and give Lopez the opportunity to sit back and control the game, it's hard to see where Ulster kind of catch up on them. But they have obviously players like Stockdale who are very creative themselves and can do things. But Stockdale for me is... Stockdale has been on form in about a year. Really, it was the last time I saw him and thought he was absolutely excellent was probably Ireland, New Zealand, or actually maybe Leinster Ulster in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it all went downhill when he dropped that ball. Yeah, the try in the corner, yeah, could have yeah. been, could have knocked Leinster out as well. Um, yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm back in Claremont. I actually think Claremont will probably win this uh, and stop Ulster getting a bonus point. I think Claremont by more than, more than seven for me. Interesting. Yeah. And then on the Saturday in that pool at 5.30, Harlequins play Bath. Again, it's kind of a bit of a match where it's hard to see either of these teams now coming through. Bath having obviously lost at home to Ulster. Um, I guess Harlequins have more of a chance, but Harlequins aren't really in a great, great win of form at the moment. What do you think, Darren? Yeah, it's a, it's a knockout match now. Whoever loses this is, is definitely out, whereas whoever comes out on top might, might have... The faintest of hopes. Um, look, yeah, Bath away form has been terrible. Quinns, usually the stoop is a tricky place to go, but they lost at home to Worcester there a couple of weeks back as well. Uh, yeah, not not a standout game of the round. Uh, this for me, uh, but I I'll go Quinns by five. Um, Quinns by five. Yeah, okay. I think Quinns will probably win this with a bonus point actually I think they will just be up for running running rugby on, on a on a Saturday evening in um, in the stoop and I don't know if Bath are going to have the motivation now to go out there and play I think that win by Ulster will have taken so much out of their sails Ulster arguably Ulster coming into this were the weakest team in that pool on paper arguably um, but obviously Ulster had a good start to the season made even better now on on, uh, on Saturday Shane, what about you? Do you think Harlequin win as well? Or are you going to go controversial and go uh, back? I'm going controversial. I think it's the first time splitting from both of you. I, you're looking at eighth versus ninth in the Premiership table here. Uh, Harlequins have only won one match all year. Bath have only won two. But I, I think the Bath match was much closer last weekend. Like Harlequins got thumped. Granted, Claremont mm-hmm. are probably a better team and they were away. But I could just see Bath thinking that they still have a chance to get out of this group. Whereas Quinn's, I just don't. So in that mind, I could see Bath going and with their back row, scraping a victory, but without a bonus point and possibly with a Quinn's losing bonus point. Right. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Moving on to pool four then. Um, first up, we called it as going to be in the worst game of the weekend. I didn't even bother watching the highlights. I actually skipped through the highlights when I was watching the highlights show on this. I didn't want to see it so much. Darren, you predicted a last-minute monster try. Uh, I hope you backed that for the bonus point. I hope you backed that. You would have won considerable amount of money. The 84th minute they got there in the last try, I predicted a bonus point before half-time. Not quite as good a prediction as you. I also predict, I also predicted them by 19 as well. So Did you? Okay. got that one bang on the money. So just uh, blowing my own trumpet there, but... 
one of, one of the few ones that I've got right uh, this week. But yeah, they, they celebrated that bonus point win like they'd won the Heineken Cup, which was a bit embarrassing seeing as they were playing the worst team in the tournament. But um, yeah, I suppose I suppose they don't have a whole lot to celebrate these days. I was going to say, they haven't won a trophy in what, almost 10 years this stage. So I guess a bonus point win away to the Ospreys is as good as they can kind of hope for. Yeah, it, it is kind of a, a bit embarrassing for them. But yeah, look, I suppose if you're if you're a monster fan, you're saying five points, got it out of there, job done. But it was a decent looking monster team going over there against Osprey's second string side, and yeah, you'd have you'd been hoping for a lot better performance than that. Uh, but obviously, it sets them up quite well now for for the group if they can get the win against Racing, they've got a very very strong chance of going through. I know a couple of people I've been talking to recently have have actually said they fancy their chances in, in in the outright to win the competition. I don't really see that myself. I think they need to win all their pool games to have a chance there, but it does set them up nicely going forward. Yeah, Shane, did you manage to watch this one? I actually did. I saw this one. Um, I saw the second half. Uh, and what I'm sure killed you, Luke, was that Ospreys actually had a few chances to put the ball dead to stop Munster getting the bonus point, I and didn't they cho- know that. chose not to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ospreys had the ball as time went dead and they did. Ra- ran it to try and get a losing bonus point for themselves. Um, and instead, of course, got turned over and Munster managed to score. But um, yeah, look, I don't think it was a great start for Munster. I think Andrew Conway played well. Um, I know you're not going to like hearing this, Luke, but I actually rate him. I think he's a pretty quality winger by Irish standards. Um, he's in good yeah. form, right? Yeah, look, he, he was Leinster born. You've got to kind of give him something. You know, that's the most of the Munster there. squad are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 just, I think Ospreys didn't field a single international in their starting lineup, and Munster still managed to struggle out but we know Munster Munster will go home and they'll put in a big performance in Thoman Park I think the key from my perspective of wanting Munster to be knocked out as soon as possible is that you have to hope that they get an away quarterfinal or uh, or at least away semi-final because they're not very good at winning those as we know and hopefully their their, their drought of trophies will continue um the the second the second part of this pool then was Racing going down 30 points to 10 against Saracens Darren, you actually predicted a Saracens win. I predicted a Racing win with no bonus point. We were both wrong there. Uh, what did you guys make of this game? Yes, yeah, so Saracens obviously really struggling. Like I, I was, I was surprised, surprised that they were beaten as comprehensive, comprehensively as they were. Racing were, were impressive. Vakatau in the centre, really, really good. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was good at the World Cup for France as well. He's really improved as a player and getting the recognition he deserves now um yeah like Racing are strong at home uh, but they kind of need to back that up again going to town park this week at saracens yeah it'd be really interesting to see what they do now there's there's talk of them just completely throwing in the towel for europe um i can't really see that myself this yeah i mentioned last week that they're only they've committed to only playing their world cup players in in seven out of the of the Premiership matches, um, this was before the the points deduction was 
uh, announced, so they could go back and they're worried there. There's even talk of the Saracens players missing some of the England Six Nations games, which I, I can't see happening. But yeah, look, I I I, I think they. They need to get a, a try bonus point win against Ospreys. I think they should do that. They have the easiest round now, but going to the back-to-back Monster games will be interesting to see what kind of side they put out. Yeah, and Shane, I, I, I'm sure you saw uh, your one of your favourite players, Finn Russell, having an absolute stormer in the uh, La Defense Arena. What, what did you make of his performance? Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Finn Russell and... He, you know, the way he goes, the way well, Rassin goes now, and generally the way Scotland goes when he plays. The, the problem you always have with him is his consistency, but, you know, it's it's always good when he's on a hot streak. He kind of tends to keep it for a while. So hopefully he can go down to Thelman Park this weekend and have another quality game. That's great to hear. I love that, well, Great to I hear. What I actually really liked about Rassing though, was... Sorry to cut you off there, Luke. But um, their pack really fronted up, and I know it wasn't the Saracens' first-choice pack, but typically when Saracens are going through winning Champions Cups, you know, they're winning the collision, they're dominating the scrum and the breakdown, and they just weren't able to do that against Racing, which was nice to see. Yeah, and then Racing hopefully will have Nakarawa to come back into the fold as well, although I probably probably won't be soon enough for this trip to Thelman Park. Yeah, as, as you said about Russell being on a hot streak, I thought he was absolutely brilliant on on, on uh, Sunday, but that's kind of how Russell plays, isn't it? Like, he's... He's absolutely brilliant when your team is going forward on kind of a running rugby pitch, but it's when kind of the pressure comes on is when he when he kind of starts to show his weaknesses. So hopefully, hopefully this weekend in 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 uh, in Munster he can maintain that hot streak as you say. So yeah, the two matches for that we kind of covered them off a bit. But Saturday the twenty third at one o'clock we have Saracens v Ospreys. Shane, I presume you're going for a Saracens win here too. Yeah, Saracens bonus point win to really open this group up. Yeah, I think Saracens could play out the team they put out against Racing and win this with a bonus point. Um, Ospreys now, it's there must be such a negative atmosphere in that club, the way they're going, and just, it, it, they could have helped themselves a bit if they'd gotten um, something out of that monster game. But yeah, I just can see Saracens just walking all over them. This bonus point wrapped up by half time, I think. What about you, Darren? Yeah, agreed. Saracens by twenty four here. Interestingly, I just announced today, um, Marty McKenzie, Damian McKenzie's brother, has signed for Ospreys with the immediate effect to kind of cover off uh, Gareth Anscombe's injury. So, look, I don't, I don't expect him to be starting this game. If he is, it kind of says how many difficulties Ospreys are in. But uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, how he gets on and if he can make a difference uh, to this Ospreys team that are really down in the dumps at the moment. Yeah, rumours of Anscombe actually never playing again, apparently. Um uh-huh. I've heard that from a few places, so hopefully that's not true. I actually really like watching Anscombe play. I think he's a really talented player. Um, I'd be sad considering he, he played on in that warm-up match as well. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. he didn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the big one, 5.30 on Saturday, Munster versus Racing in, in Thurman Park. <sighs> Obviously, I really hope Racing win this, but I'm finding it hard to see how they do. What, what do you make of this one, Darren? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be in agreement with you. I think Racing could kind of go well for the first bit, but uh, I think their discipline will cost them in the end, like it does to most French teams. So my prediction is a Racing card to cost them the match and Munster by seven. What about you, Shane? I think I don't trust Finn Russell away. Could potentially be raining. It's supposed to be cold. 
Um, I know we played well last week, but I think Monster win. Racing might get the bonus point though. Yeah, I think I think if if Racing managed to get an away bonus point uh, and Munster didn't get a bonus point themselves, I think they'd be in a really good place. Uh, Racing do have star power across across the backline. They have game breakers and Teddy Tama, Wanima, Fakatawa. Uh, it was great to see Zebo not even playing for them. Um, I'm sure he'll be emotional now coming back to Thomond. The way he acts like he's been kicked out of there when he chose to leave for for more money and betray his country and his club, but. I'm sure he'll be applauded by the those turnip munchers down in Tellman Park. Yeah, I, 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 I Has he played? really not going for the monster audience on this podcast, are you, Luke? Well, I think of the 19 people that have viewed this podcast, um, I, I or last week's podcast, I, I did the geographical analysis and none were from Munster. So let's hope we keep it that why. way. <laughs> what was your question? Oh. Sorry, Dan, you were saying something. Has Zebo played? Uh... Monster yet since return. I don't think he has. He's played. He hasn't. No. Um, no. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of reception they give him. Like, I, I assume it would be a good one. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. I think so. I think it, people down at Monster seem to like him. Yeah, they do for some reason. Well, it says a lot about them, I suppose. But uh, they have, they have, they do have Donica Ryan as well. Um, I know Donica Ryan has played them. He famously beat them in that semi-final down in the south of France. Uh, and then also in the group stages, was it the year before last? Um, so they do have kind of that kind of kind of grizzled nature in the pack. I actually think Donica Ryan's a fantastic player to go down there and actually turn Munster over. The question is where they can kind of bring it all together and, as you say, Darren, keep their discipline. Um, for me, they probably won't. I'm backing a, a Munster win um, with no bonus point and Racing to not get a bonus point either. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah agreed. Okay. Um, so moving on then to Pool Five, um, we saw Gloucester go down to Toulouse. Um, I predicted Toulouse to win this by five. The final score was Toulouse twenty-five, Gloucester twenty. You are welcome, punters out there listening to this podcast. Darren, you predicted a Gloucester win. It looked like it was going to be that way for a long while. Uh, Toulouse did remarkably well to come back, didn't they? Yeah, and. Uh... Look, I, I actually messaged you at half time and said this would be so typical Gloucester to to throw this away and it it proved to be the case. Like they their their lead was a bit kind of fake in some ways that they, they got two breakaway tries from Joe Simpson. Toulouse were still kind of the better team in that first half and they, they really just dominated that line out in the end. I think it was fifty percent of fourteen uh, throw throw in, which is just shocking for any kind of team. Um, but yeah, uh, El Sad put in a huge performance there. He said he uh, he he knew a lot of the calls because Ger- his Gerbrand Grobler he'd played with uh, back in South Africa a few times or in the same club as him. So uh, it was interesting to hear that. Obviously, Grobler not not intelligent enough to uh, change up his calls there. So that that obviously. Made a huge difference in the end, but uh, yeah, a huge win for Toulouse. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the the tournament is over now. We know who the, the winner is. As I said last week, if if Toulouse win this game, they will win the tournament. So, look, I I, I still see prices are available on them. So free money out there, uh, knowing that they they can't be beat now. <laughs> and Shane, I think it was nice to see Toulouse kind of they played so well running rugby last year. It was nice to see their pack front up and kind of. Delivering a performance. What do you what did you think of this one? 
had a soft spot for Gloucester uh, as kind of the English team that I, I fancy generally to watch. Um, so I was disappointed to see them lose, to be honest. Uh, I like Ackerman as a coach. I like his the fact that he has yeah. someone plays for him. I think it's hilarious that that <laughs> happens at you know, this level. I suppose it did happen with the Farrells as well. Um, I think Gloucester really missed their internationals. Um, and Cipriani, I mean, I know he won Premiership Player of the Season last year, and I do tend to rate him as a player, but sometimes you do wish he could just offer you that bit more control in the game that you'd get from a more traditional uh, fly-half. Uh, that said, I went to the Toulouse match against Leinster in the RDS last year uh, that Leinster won after losing to them away. Uh, so, you know, as Darren said, Toulouse are in with a good shot to win this tournament, even if I'm not going to go far enough to say that they will win it after beating Gloucester. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll be some call, right, for beating Gloucester away. I, I completely agree with Cipriani. I mean, any other team that far ahead, you'd love to have like a control and kicking ten in there just to play the game out. That's what smart teams do in kind of Champions Cup rugby. They don't they don't try and overplay their hand too much when they're in a winning position. Um, I think so. It also puts into perspective, uh, kind of like how 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 again how poor the Premiership actually is. Um. These are teams that are doing kind of decently well in the Premiership, and just when they come up against teams in Europe, they just surely don't have kind of the extra strings to bow that are needed to win these matches. Um, speaking of moving on to the Connacht Montpellier match, Connacht won this 23 to Montpellier's 20. Darren, you and I both predicted a Connacht win here. Uh, it really was a really impressive performance, to be honest. And as much as I don't like Connacht as well, they they had so many injuries, and for me, this is maybe the the most impressive equal with Exeter's victory over La Rochelle. What did you think? Yeah. Um, they really grounded out in the end. Um, yeah, some huge turnovers near near the end of the match. Montpellier could probably feel that they blew it in, in, in some ways. But you have, you have to give Connor credit for, for getting that result, getting getting a huge, huge start to their Champions Cup campaign. But uh, yeah, Montpellier kind of... Yeah, probably probably out now. Uh, uh, if they if they don't get a result at home this week, but yeah, like with the, with the amount of injuries Connacht had, it was very impressive outing. Um, uh, yeah, and credit to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, they they did really well just before halftime up against kind of a big a big French pack. Um, the mall just before half time was, was kind of really impressive. Um, the rumours are that Aki potentially could be going. You really hope he stays to them there. Um, he's so important to the way they play. When they when he's in the pitch, they're like a completely different team. Uh, the other player I thought was really good from Irish perspective was Blade. Quillen Blade, he's he's in such good form to me. He deserves to be in that Six Nations squad. Shane, what kind of impressed you about his performance? You took, you took it out of my mouth. I thought Blade was very good. I haven't seen too much of him playing, but... Unlike you, I'm not sold on Luke McGrath's Ireland's backup scrum half. Uh, and I think Blade should be in and around that Six Nations squad if he keeps playing like this. Um, additionally, I know 16 injuries that uh, Connacht have, I think it is now after that match. Uh, the fact that they were able to kind of front up and put up a performance was good. And I thought uh, Fyinga, I think I might be butchering yeah. his name at seven. Yeah, I thought he had a quality performance. Um, He's a great signing, nice. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I completely agree with that. Uh, actually, as a matter of interest, you mentioned Blade and Six Nations. Given it's a new coach, 
potentially Murray won't be the starting scrum half. It was you, if it was you, Shane. Which which of the scrum halves would you start in the opening game of the Six Nations? Oh, do you know do you know who I have a soft spot for? John Cooney. He's got a great haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I love that spot you start with. It's exactly the same he as does. Saying, isn't it? Really, it is. He's obviously taking inspiration from my fantastic hair and going for himself. It's always fresh before a match. But no, if you watch him play, I think he runs good support lines. He's a little bit more athletic than Luke McGrath, or at least he looks a bit faster to me. Uh, and he controls the play well for Ulster. I'd like to see him get a proper shot because I don't think he got a run under Schmidt. Now, we mightn't be the answer, but I think, you know, I would like to see how he does with, you know, starting a match, maybe even getting two or three games in the team uh, instead of just being, you know, stuck lower down the pack. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd actually agree with that. I think I think uh, I really hope we don't go with Murray again. Murray's so out of form. He's not even the best from half in Munster. Matthewson has been that for quite some time. Um, and I, I'd agree. I'd probably have Cooney in there myself. Darren, three from three. Would you have John Cooney starting with Six Nations? Depends the kind of style that we want to play. Like obviously, you you don't want Murray in there because that's just gonna slow us down, and that's that was fine for the Joe Smith kind of style. Of, well, it wasn't fine, but is what Joe Smith was kind of looking for. It was it didn't hamper the game plan too much. There, I I I I I'd personally go with Luke McGrath. I'd give him a, a whole campaign to see see how he gets on. Obviously, pairing up with Sex and um. And I, I definitely have Cooney in the squad. Uh, looks like so. Kieran Marmion's agreed uh, uh, signed new kind of contract uh, today. Uh, there was rumours that he was going to be going elsewhere. He his agent had tapped up uh, Saracens and tried to spread a story there, which is kind of uh, Saracens then came out and said we're we're not interested. Uh, but that that's a bonus for Connacht and. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see whether he severed any ties uh, go, going about it, how he did. Obviously, he was left out of the Connick squad last week and against Leinster as well. He was a late dropout from the bank. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how what that relationship's like. Um, but yeah, just to go back to answer your question, I'd I'd have Luke McGrath starting and I'd have John Cooney on the bench. Right, okay, fair enough. And what about then, Darren, the champions elect Toulouse playing Connacht this Saturday at one o'clock? Presumably, you're predicting an absolute walkover for Toulouse here. Yeah, I think Connacht injuries are just going to catch up with them, unfortunately, in this one. And yeah, I'm saying Toulouse by 21 here, a comfortable try bonus point win. Yeah, I'd agree with that. A bonus point win, 20 points as well. Shane, what what do you think? Yeah, another Toulouse bonus point win, maybe by 14, slightly less than you lads, but comfortable. Fair, fair. And then on the Sunday, it seems to be the way in a lot of the pools that kind of two losers are playing off against each other. Um, Sunday at 3.15, Montpellier versus Gloucester. Um, I don't really know how to call this one because it seems like neither team is going to be that interested. What do you think, Darren? I actually think Gloucester could win this match. So the handicap line at the moment is around 7 or 8 mark, uh, which I just think is too high. It's a knockout match. If Gla- Gloucester have lost the home game, so they need to make up for that with an away win. I can't see them going away to, to lose uh, and, and winning. So this this is a key game for them if they want to reignite their their uh, hopes uh, in this tournament. Um, Montpellier 
will their interest be gone? Will, was their interest ever here? They're playing Leon six day turnaround top fourteen the following week at home. Will they look towards that one, have half an eye on that? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm saying Gloucester by by five here. Shane, what about you? Uh, you know, Montpellier at home, but I'm kind of going, thinking I'm going with Darren here. Gloucester by one or two. I think Matt Banahan, the world's oldest winger, I think he's been playing since I was born. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I have a feeling he's going to score a try, and I could see Cipriani turning it on and having a good game in the south of France where the conditions suited him. Um yeah, Gloucester to sneak a win that they probably don't deserve due to some yellow card from Montpellier. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm going with Gloucester again after what they did last week, to be honest. They're, they're the spurs of rugby. They're just perennial bottlers. But, um, yeah, I, I'll probably make another wrong decision uh, going with them again. But let's see how it pans out. Well, hopefully hopefully Ackerman doesn't get sacked after this one like Pochettino just has. Yeah. Um, but Montpellier, Montpellier, I'm going to go with Montpellier for this one then, just, because, just for the, the sole reason of being different to you guys. I don't really have an idea how this one's going to go. Um, Montpellier is a tough place to go there. Leinster have kind of fallen down there a few times in the second round of the Heineken Cup uh, after after Montpellier have lost their first match there. So I'm, I'm going to back Montpellier by five. Um, speaking of Leinster, moving on to that pool, pool number one. We'll start off with the Northampton Leon game. Northampton with a somewhat unconvincing 25-14 win against Leon. Um, Dan, you and I both predicted a Northampton win. Did this game go as you expected? Um, I, I expect Northampton to be a bit better than they were. They're obviously heavily aided by by Leon's indiscipline. I think Leon gave away something like 25 penalties, which is yeah. absolutely massive. Uh, for any for, for any game, uh, yeah, I expect Northampton to get a, a few more tries, and Leon kind of were working their way back uh, into the game at the end. I expected a bit more of a su- substantial scoreline, um, but yeah, I, I yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, how how both those teams get on now this week. Yeah, um, Shane, what did you make of this one? I mean, Northampton were up 19 nothing at half time here. They didn't score a lot of tries, but, you know, like, the comfortable enough victory. I never thought they were going to lose it. Um, I think, actually, they'll be disappointed they didn't put a couple more tries up. Northampton looked good. Yeah, they, they, scored, they only scored one try in the end. Um, I think Leon scored a very late try as well to kind of put a bit of glass in the scoring from their perspective. And from their first try as well, was a, it was a bit of a gift. Uh yeah, I think I think as 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 we kind of you both have touched on Northampton's attack was probably a bit disappointing there, a bit flat in their attack. The rest of the game looked decent, but you'd expect any team at this level to be if they get 24 penalties in the game, they should really be pushing on to get a few more tries in that. Um, it was a great result for Leinster though, four four match points for Northampton, zero for Leon. Um, we really couldn't have gone any better, really. Um, speaking of Leinster, moving on to that 33. Uh, win 33 to 19 win against Benetton. Were you both there at the altar of the RDS to worship the the greatest rugby team in the world? I mean, I wasn't yes, there. Yes, I, 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 I was present. And Darren, well then, do you want to talk us through the the electric atmosphere that greeted the players that day? 
Um, yeah, like it, it was an interesting game because the, the kind of the feeling at the end of the match was, yeah, we've got our our five five points, but unlike Munster, there's there's a bit more. We kind of expect grown to expect a bit more, and if first time in the RDS this season that we haven't put four, 40 or more points past the team which is absolute credit to Treviso I thought they hung in there really well the 6-2 bank split uh, obviously made a big difference there I think Shane you mentioned that earlier in the week I, I fully agree with that point um, but yeah considering Treviso didn't have their full like some they were missing some of their normal starters. I was I was impressed with how they were able to hang in there. I thought the referee got a couple of decisions wrong, but that might be just the the blue tinted glasses uh, speaking. Um, obviously Gary Ringos was was phenomenal. Great to see him coming back with the World Cup with a bang. Uh, really disappointed for Keelan Doris uh, going off it, yeah. uh, injured. Yeah. It, it was such a huge opportunity for him. He'd started the game pretty well. I thought. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully, uh, hopefully they can kind of bring the momentum for that and kind of pick up on some of the the scrappiness they did knock the ball on a couple of times. They they weren't as efficient as they have been at points this season. So hopefully they brush up on that ahead of a huge game this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned about the referee there. I thought the referee um, was very very poor. Actually, not 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 just Valencia for both sides. I think. Chavizo's tactic was to come to the RDS and slow Leinster's rock ball down and basically make it so Leinster couldn't play fastball. I think a lot of what they were doing was uh, probably legal, but they got away with it and fair play to them for getting away with it. The ref wasn't penalising it, then that's what they should be doing. They should go for it, but it really made Leinster's attack stutter. We kind of didn't see the big kind of sweeping pastures of play we're used to where Leinster kind of just get faster and faster in their rock ball and teams are constantly on the back foot. Um for for me, the the biggest defense actually, or the biggest disappointment was actually Leinster's defense. I thought I was pretty disappointed with the way we defended. I thought we weren't very aggressive at all. I think in the final against Saracens, what we really needed, what we really missed, and what we really needed to show this season was that we can be like off the line really quickly and just chopping down these these players and stopping them getting momentum like teams can do to us sometimes. So I, I was pretty disappointed with that. Shane, what did you think of the match? Who was your man of the match? Um. Who who would you pick next week as well? Well, well, obviously, I think it goes without saying. I, I'm having Ring Rose as my man of the match. I thought he played very well, and he's been answering the critics since people were calling for him to not start for the Ireland squad in the World Cup. Obviously, with Henshaw's injury, he was in there. But uh, I thought Ring Rose was fantastic. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Darren, and what I called out earlier this week, the 6-2 split for Benetton, I thought was pretty interesting. And I think that's the way to go about beating a team like Leinster. I know, you know, you look at Leinster's backs and you think of how how much quality they have there. But actually, if you watch a lot of Leinster games, they seem to win the match in the forwards and then the backs tend to put the gloss on the scoreline. But uh, because Benetton were able to kind of control or at least keep some control in, the, in their forwards and they had a lot of forward play in the Leinster 22. I mean, they scored off a mall. I don't think it was directly, but, you know, two or three phases after a mall. And I think that's a platform that other teams are going to look at to attack Leinster with. I thought Doris started really well. It's it's disappointing he won't be there this week, so there could be some changes in the back row. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We might get a new a debutante this week. Uh, yeah, but... Rumours circling around. Right, very to interesting. Be, inside to knowledge. Be, 
inside knowledge to be confirmed. All I'm saying is there is a certain Leinster player that is missing Thanksgiving dinner on Saturday because he's flying to Lyon. Um, whether that's as the 24th man or on the bench is yet to be confirmed. But you heard it here first on the pod. Very cryptic, but I'm sure our loyal listeners can decode which back row player that might be. Uh, for me, the other players I'd give a shout-out to was Van der Fleer. I thought he was really, really good. Um, I thought Healy as well had a few good moments. There was one rip in the second half when Trevisor were attacking us. That I, uh, It was just unbelievable how Healy managed to strip the ball from him. Um, so this weekend, then, we see Northampton travel to Benetton. Darren, do you first, do Benetton have a chance of winning this Saturday at one o'clock? Yeah, I think this will be the upset, upset of the round here. I'm going Treviso by two here. Um, as I said, impressed by them uh, in the RDS last weekend. Uh, wasn't overly impressed with Northampton. I think they could go over there underestimating uh, the Italian team as well. Like I think there's still a lot of the mindset in England probably is that they're they're kind of a walkover team which from watching the Pro 14 recently we know is not the case hopefully um, Monte Ioanni comes back, he, he was actually out of the game due to the Colpac rule I believe um, but hopefully he comes back into this one, I'd love to see a match up with him and Naira Varu. I think that would be a really interesting one um, but yeah I, I, I can see uh, Treviso edging this one Shane, can you see Treviso pulling off a shot here? I can see where Darren's coming from. I'm going to go for Northampton myself only because I'm going to the Leinster match in Northampton and I want that to be for kind of a top of the table job. So purely with my own personal interests in mind, I'm going to go for Northampton by four. Yeah, I, I think uh, I kind of agree with Darren in the sense I think Treviso do have the tools to take on Northampton. I thought Northampton actually... Funnily enough, we think of Northampton sides of old, we think how great their scrum was. I think they looked a bit weak in the scrum against Leon. Their pack, I don't know if it's as physical as it used to be. And we've seen when Benetton have played us in, in recent matches, they really have put us up to up to us in the pack. Um, I'm hoping they can frustrate Northampton on, on Saturday and get a shock result here. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Northampton by ten actually in the end. Um purely in hopes that because my predictions are so bad that I will be wrong in that one too. <laughs> um, the best way fo- forward exactly following that then 3.15 the big one Leon versus Leinster Leinster travelling away to Leon Shane I'll come to you first do you think Leinster have a chance here yeah I think I'd make Leinster favourites here um, I don't think it'll be comfortable but I mean I'd be very surprised if Leinster don't walk out with a win I know Leon are top of the top 14 but that Leinster team who they put out you know, no matter who replaces Doris in the starting lineup, um, they should be solid enough. I think they should win this. And is there any benefit chain to Leinster going for a six-two split in the bench for this match, seeing as Leon kind of tend to tend to have quite a, quite a decent pack and like all French sides are very physical at home. I mean, obviously, from a, a personal standpoint, I'd like to see a six-two split in the bench because there'd be <laughs> potentially an extra back row, but. Um, do you know what? I, I'm i not normally a fan of the 6-2 split, but South Africa using it so effectively in the World Cup has started to change my mind. I don't think Leinster's... I don't think Leinster have enough utility backs, and I'd be worried if someone got injured. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd rather them use the 5-3 
just based purely on that. I mean, unless you're looking at potentially Ring Rose and O'Loughlin, who started in the centres, I guess both of them could cover wings. Um, but you wouldn't want to be bringing on Ross Byrne and then shifting Sexton somewhere else if one of the outside backs got injured. I would be a bit worried about that. Yeah, good point, good point. Darren, do you think usual confident self that Ensor will walk all over this one? Um, firstly, I'd like to say this is definitely games around. Um, even even from a neutral bias, I think you have to be looking forward to this one. Best Blasting team monster, no? No, 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 no. Top, top, top of the top 14 against uh, best team, the Pro 14. Uh, traveling over there, yeah. Look, this is this is hands down the, the best game in the round, and no result would surprise me here, apart from probably a comfortable Leon win. I can see Leon edging this. I can see Leinster edging it, but I and I can also see Leinster running away with it if Leon kind of have thrown the towel in to the to Europe early early enough, focusing on on the top fourteen. I um I know from my inside trip into Lancer uh, a few weeks ago that they've been really looking looking at this game for for a while now. Uh, obviously, they haven't played Leon ever before, so they they're kind. Of, that's a reason why they've been analysing them so closely. But I I think they've picked a few kind of inefficiencies in uh, the the Leon defence and a few vulnerable areas. Uh, I won't give away their game plan, uh, but I, yeah, I can see I can see them kind of running running away and kind of denying Leon the the try bonus or the losing bonus point. Uh, I, I'd say Leinster by eight here would be my prediction. Wow! wow. Um, just can I ask when you were in? At Leinster, were you kind of assisting them with some coaching, providing some expertise? What was going on there? Oh, uh, it's a very secret. It was a secret mission in there, so I'm afraid I can't go into any more details on the subject. I completely understand. And seeing as Shane can't go into details on team selection, what, what do you think the back row is going to shake up to be, given that we're missing now Levy, we're missing um, Conan, we're missing Doris for this? Do you go with Fardy, Van der Fleer and put Rullock at eight who doesn't really play there or to get that size or do you trust the young guys? Do you trust Deegan? Do you trust somebody like, oh, I don't know, Josh Murphy to come on the bench, for example? I, I think Deegan's earned uh, earned a start at number eight. Um, I'd, I'd be disappointed but not completely surprised if, if he doesn't get the nod. Uh, I... I just don't think I don't think Rodrigo really covers eight, uh, so like I I think it's far dear Rodrigo at six, Van der Fleer at seven, and I'd be going Deegan at eight here. Yeah, I, I picked the same team actually. The, the thing I noticed from watching Leon against Wolverhampton was I thought Leon looked quite quite unfit actually. The pack especially, I think there was a point around the twenty fifth minute mark where Leon were breaking for a scrum and it they would just look absolutely shattered. Um, against Northampton team who aren't known for kind of putting teams through that kind of really intensive intensive games and tend to grind teams out more. I think if Leinster can get on top of this early on, like make the Leon team tired, score a few early points, then we could perhaps win it. Um, saying that, my prediction is that this is going to be a horrible game down, down in France. They're going to be well up to get their first points of the, the, the Champions Cup ever and I think Leon are going to win this with Leinster sneaking a last minute losing bonus point Eason uh, in the corner a shock 
There is a shock. The most negative Leinster fan of all time predicting a loss. <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually thought I actually thought he was sounding sounding quite uh, positive there for a second, and I was really getting worried because he was he was uh, positive last week about Leinster's chances. I know it was against Treviso, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought you were nearly going to say a Leinster win there, Luke. But I suppose in the past your your negativity has kind of not not come to fruition on the pitch. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully, yeah. To be yeah. fair, his, his picks have been so bad, he's been going for reverse psychology. So maybe that's it. Fingers crossed. That's true. That's true. The one, the one final thing, actually, I'd say on this as well, I forgot to mention, was hopefully another week will give Leinster a bit more um, cohesion and attack. I thought we looked quite fractured with the, the kind of Irish guys coming in, used to playing that kind of turgid Joe Schmidt-style rugby. To come back to Lancaster and Leah must be a breath of fresh air for them, but it's, it obviously takes a while to start playing. Like the guys um, who've been playing for the last couple of weeks have, have have been playing, so hopefully, kind of, we'll see a bit more of that. That as we go and put Leon through the ring and come out with a win the other side. Before we before we sign off this podcast, we have we have a listener question. Um, I'll give this to both of you in turn. It's from Connor Donnelly, a loyal listener. He says, "Long time listener, first time caller. What would you consider a good season with the current squad?" Shane, I'll go to you first on that one. I'm assuming he's talking about Leinster and not the pod, because a good season for the pod is probably 50 viewers, and that we actually make it through the entire Heineken Cup. <laughs> I presume he's talking about Leinster, yeah. Um, Leinster-wise, I think, I think the bare minimum is the final of the Pro 14 and the semi-final of the Champions Cup. I think a good season's winning one of the Champions Cup or the Pro 14 and being in the final the other, with the preference obviously being on winning the Champions Cup. Um, I think the squads there, when you look around Europe, there's very few teams top to bottom that can stay with Leinster over 80 minutes. So it would take a poor performance really for them to be out before the semifinals. Um, and then once you're there, anything can really happen. Yeah, good points, Darren. Yeah, I think silverware is a must this season for it to be kind of seen as a a good season, uh, whether that's in the Pro 14 or the Champions Cup. Ideally, the Champions Cup for obvious reasons uh, in our flight for five. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think um, realistic Pro 14 win and another Champions Cup final would be uh, a good a good season uh, and hopefully. Hopefully we can get the double. I, I don't think it's a huge stretch to uh, to see that happening. So hopefully we can get the double in. What do you think yourself, Luke? Um, I think I think the squad is actually probably weaker than when we had two years ago. And we won the double. I think a few players that were key, such as Sexton, are just kind of over the hill a bit now. Um, yeah, I think though this, the the expectations are so high with Leinster. I think from a fan perspective. I think, kind of echoing what Shane said, winning the Pro 14 and getting to the final of the Champions Cup is a good season. Um, anything kind of less than that, if you come out of the season with no no silverware, you do look upon it negatively. But I think Leinster are going to maybe this is probably I think their last year where they have a, a serious chance of winning the Champions Cup. They're probably going through a bit of a drought, I think, in the next couple of years. Hopefully not to the same level as Munster, but I think they need. That kind of this young batch of players to mature a bit before they start kind of competing again. Um, so yeah, that that would be kind of my 
my take on it. A good question, though, from our uh, loyal listener. Yes. One of our 17. Yeah, exactly. And thank you very much to Mr. Donnelly for for emailing in with that question. Anyone else who wants to to text in, (laughs) I would give out the email on the show, but A, we don't have one, and B, you know our numbers. So just text us if you have a question. Um, And if, if anyone ends up listening to this who doesn't know our numbers, dear Lord, we've gone viral. Exactly. Well, I did see actually in the map, and this isn't a joke, the map of the listenership. We had one one listener from America, um, from Virginia to be precise. I do think it is the Apple Podcast Review team making sure that our, we actually have a legitimate podcast and not just crap, which we actually do have. Uh, but still, we're, <laughs> we've broken into America. Hopefully now with the introduction of you, Shane, we'll crack that market completely. That sounds and, like a plan. I'll do my best. So just one final question before I go from me. Um, in terms of finishing as the, the top-seeded team, for me it looks quite competitive between Leinster, Exeter, Clermont, Toulouse, potentially Racing and Munster in there as well. Who do you see kind of getting those those top two places that are so important in the seeding? Darren? Toulouse and Leinster. Toulouse and Leinster, right. No hesitation there. Shane, what about you? I think Exeter could get it. Um, Exeter and Leinster, if I had to pick. I, I think I'd go for Exeter and Claremont, actually. So we have three different answers there. I think Exeter have such a good start. Their hardest match up first away. They smashed it with a bonus point. Um, Claremont looked really, really good. I think Leinster are going to lose either against Leon or Northampton away, one of them. Um, and, yeah, we'll have a home quarterfinal, but not a home semi. Right, OK. Okay, well, guys, Shane, Darren, thank you very much as as usual for being for being our guest. Shane, what a debut that was from the very first minute. Your comments were hilarious. I'm sure I'm sure our viewers will appreciate your input. Hopefully, we'll have you back next week if if Sky Sports haven't come calling by that stage. Yeah, I'll get on to my agent and see, but uh, hopefully, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll try and negotiate that contract. I'll try and try and give you a bit of a wage jump. Okay, guys. Well, yeah, thanks again. And thanks to you, our listeners. We'll be back next week with a full review of the round two of the Hiding Cup. Come on, you boys and girls.